Welcome to the Voice of the Resistance with Doc Washburn. We are the show that pushes back against the Uniparty and lets you in on the news that traditional talk radio is afraid to talk about. The Doc Washburn Show podcast is available for download at all your favorite podcast platforms. You can email us at contact at docwashburnshow.com. This is episode 167 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. It's Monday, June 6th, 2022, the 78th anniversary of D-Day, the Allied operation to liberate Western Europe from Hitler's Nazis. Tomorrow, Tomorrow, our scheduled guest is Jody Harris, a young lady who ran as a conservative in the Republican primary for the Arkansas State House. And she has credible allegations of voter fraud. We're going to talk to her about that Tuesday on episode 168. So today, what did Pfizer and the FDA know and when did they know it? Also, has there been another Arkansas, the suspicious death of someone who once worked closely with the Clintons? That's all coming up. But just so you understand where I'm coming from, I was fired by one of the biggest radio companies in America, Cumulus Media, simply because I refused their vaccine mandate. More evidence comes out all the time that a lot of people are having serious negative reactions to the vaccines. Also, it's obvious the last U.S. presidential election was stolen. So this is a really different kind of talk show. We're unmasked, uncensored, and unfiltered. If you would like to support what we do, go to our website, docwashburnshow.com, and click on the button that says Become a Patron. Now, over the weekend, I saw a 13-minute interview that the great Jesse Kelly, radio talk show host out of Houston, Texas, did with Dr. Naomi Wolf about the vaccines about what Pfizer knew, about what the FDA knew, and when they knew it. And it was uh, stunning, a bombshell, a blockbuster, something Fox News will never talk about. And I recorded the whole 13 minutes, and I, I realized, well, I can't just play it back. I mean, this is somebody else's interview with Dr. Wolf. I may or may not be able to get her on my program. But I can share with you her latest article on her Substack. I can do that. Author Naomi Wolf is a regular guest on Steve Bannon's War Room. She has a new book out called The Bodies of Others. Subtitle, The New Authoritarians, COVID-19 and the War Against the Human. That's stunning. Stunning and concerning. Her substack is called Outspoken with Dr. Naomi Wolf. Her most recent article, which I'm about to share with you, is called Dear Friends, Sorry to Announce a Genocide. Subtitle, it's really true. They know they are killing the babies. All right, let's dig right in. She says, I've been silent for some weeks. Forgive me. The truth is I've been rendered almost speechless. 
or the literary equivalent of that, because recently I've had the unenviable task of trying to announce to the world that indeed a genocide, or what I've called clumsily but urgently a baby die-off, is underway. The War Room Daily Clout Pfizer Documents Research Volunteers, a group of 3,000 highly credentialed doctors, RNs, biostatisticians, medical fraud investigators, lab clinicians, and research scientists have been turning out report after report, as you may know, to tell the world what is in the 55,000 internal Pfizer documents, which the FDA had asked the court to keep under wraps for 75 years. By court order, these documents were forcibly disclosed. And our experts are serving humanity by reading through these documents and attempting to explain them in layman terms. You can find all of the volunteers' reports at dailyclout.io. That's the website, dailyclout.io. The lies revealed are stunning. The War Room Daily Clout volunteers have confirmed that Pfizer and thus the FDA, knew by December 2020 that the mRNA vaccines did not work, that they waned in efficacy and presented vaccine failure. One side effect of getting vaccinated, as they knew by one month after the mass 2020 rollout, was actually contracting COVID. Pfizer knew in May of 2021, that 35 minors' hearts had been damaged a week after mRNA injection, but the FDA rolled out the emergency use authorization for teenagers a month later anyway, and parents did not get a press release from the United States government about heart harms till August of 2021, after thousands of teens had been vaccinated. Pfizer, and thus the FDA, because many of the documents say FDA confidential at the lower boundary, they knew that, contrary to what the highly paid spokesmodels and bought-off physicians were assuring people, the mRNA, spike protein, and lipid nanoparticles did not stay in the injection site in the deltoid, but rather went within 48 hours into the bloodstream, from there to lodge in the liver, spleen, adrenals, lymph nodes, and if you are a woman, in the ovaries. Pfizer, and thus the FDA, knew that the Moderna vaccine had 100 mcg of mRNA, lipid nanoparticles, and spike protein, which is more than three times the 30 mcg of the adult Pfizer dose. The company's internal documents show a higher rate of adverse events with the 100 mcg dose, So they stopped experimenting with that amount internally due to its reactogenicity. Those are Pfizer words. But no one told all of the millions of Americans who all got the first and second 100 MCG Moderna dose and the boosters. 
reactogenicity. I wonder what that means. Let's see. Let me just type it in. Let me just uh, copy and paste. Reactogenicity. Definition. Reactogenicity events are adverse effects that are common and known to occur for the intervention investigational product being studied and should be collected in a standard systematic format using a grading scale based on functional assessment of or magnitude of reaction. Okay. So adverse effects. Pfizer skewed the trial subjects so that almost three-quarters of them were female, a gender that is less prone to cardiac damage. Pfizer lost the records, so they say, of what became of hundreds of their trial subjects. In the internal trials, there were over 42,000 adverse events, and more than 1,200 people died. Four of the people who died died on the day they were injected. Adverse events tallied up in the internal Pfizer documents are completely different from those reported on the CDC website or announced by corrupted physicians and medical organizations and hospitals. These include vast columns of joint pain, muscle pain, myalgia, masses of neurological effects, including MS, Guillain-Barre syndrome, Bell's palsy, encephaly, every iteration possible of blood clotting, thrombocytopenia at scale, strokes, hemorrhages, and many kinds of ruptures of membranes throughout the human body. Thrombocytopenia. So I had to look that up. It's a condition in which you have a low blood platelet count. Blood platelets called thrombocytes are colorless blood cells that help blood clot. Platelets stop bleeding by clumping and forming plugs in blood vessel injuries. So thrombocytopenia is when you have a low blood platelet count. So the blood doesn't clot as it's supposed to. Oh, my. The side effects about which Pfizer and the FDA knew, but you did not, include blistering problems, rashes, shingles, and herpetic conditions. Indeed, a range of blistering conditions, oddly foreshadowing the symptoms of monkeypox. Herpetic. That's like the uh, root word herpes. The internal documents show that Pfizer, and thus the FDA, knew that angry red welts or hives were a common reaction to the PEG, a petroleum-derived allergen in the vaccine ingredients, one that you are certainly not supposed to ingest. Indeed, PEG is an allergen so severe that many people can go into anaphylactic shock if they're exposed to it. But people with a PEG allergy were not warned away from the vaccines or even carefully watched by their doctors, EpiPen in hand. 
they were left to their shock. Pfizer knew that exposure to the vaccine was defined, in their own words, as sexual contact, especially a time of conception, skin contact, inhalation, or lactation. So-called fact-checkers can deny this all they want. The documents speak for themselves. And she has a link linked here to that particular report. Of course, people who have tried to raise any of these issues have been deplatformed, scolded by Dementia Joe Biden. See, I'm never going to call him the president. I'm just, I'm just not because they stole it. Called insane and roundly punished. Athletes and college students and teenagers are collapsing on football and soccer fields. Doctors wring their hands and express mystification. Hmm, how could that happen? But BioNTech's filing with the Securities and Exchange Commission shows a fact about which the CDC and the AMA breathe not a word. Fainting so violently that you may hurt yourself is one of the side effects important enough for BioNTech to highlight to the Securities and Exchange Commission, the SEC. But, but, it's not a side effect important enough to highlight to you and me. Naomi Wolf continues, I was able to process all of this and keep simply reporting, but in the last few weeks, the horror overcame me. Because now the volunteers under the excellent leadership of program manager Amy Kelly have confirmed that there is a genocide underway, intentionally driven or not. An Israeli journalist, Etana Hecht, has added her own superb analysis. Here is Ms. Hecht's summary of the volunteers' findings. And so she uh, she links to that, and, and we'll share a little bit of that with you. And it's horrifying. <clears throat> this is from May 25th. Itana Hecht, her Substack article entitled Vaccinated Women, Fertility Signals Are Coming Through. And she says the topic of pregnant and nursing moms getting vaccinated under encouragement and coercion is painful. It's painful to research, painful to write about, and painful to learn how carelessly the most precious among us are being treated. The very essence of life and nature live within pregnant and nursing mothers. Reflecting on how little regard was paid to that life is upsetting, and everything I have to report in this post has done so with a heavy heart. And I hope that we'll get through this with a renewed sense of personal autonomy when it comes to medical decisions. Notes to keep in mind. First of all, the FDA and Pfizer actively worked to keep this data hidden from sight for our lifetimes. Secondly, academic institutions, medical institutions, and public health agencies are all still recommending that pregnant women take the COVID-19 vaccines as a precaution against COVID. Dr. Naomi Wolf, Project Manager Amy Kelly, and War Room Daily Clout Pfizer Documents Volunteer Research Team have uncovered so many new important pieces of information that it's getting difficult to keep up. 
She says, I highly recommend pinning Daily Clout to your homepage and checking their updates often. Their team of thousands of volunteers, including hundreds of lawyers, is working quickly, thoroughly, and efficiently. A lot of information and serious concerns have emerged surrounding pregnant and nursing mothers and the possible effect that the COVID vaccines are having on their babies. Dr. Naomi Wolf has been appearing on War Room regularly to provide us with updates on the findings of her and her team. On one appearance last week, Dr. Wolf broke down some of the main red flags that have emerged with the help of a female physician who studied the data. So here you go. Pregnant women were excluded from clinical trials when they were declared safe and effective for pregnant women. Pfizer, the FDA, the CDC, the entire medical community, and your local employer, who declared that you couldn't come to work if you're not vaccinated, have concluded that this was safe and effective for pregnant women based on trials that were done on rats in France. There have not been any human clinical trials that have been concluded by Pfizer or other pharmaceutical companies to find out if these vaccines are safe for use for human beings during pregnancy or breastfeeding. There's currently one that's still active, has no posted results, and they tell us will not conclude until July 26, 2022. The animal studies that were conducted for the trials that the NIH based their conclusions on include 44 rats and were done over a period of 42 days. There are two main issues with this study. Number one, this doesn't fulfill the requirement to ensure that the drug will do no harm to the next generation. Number two, the doctors conducting the trials have all either been employed by or owned shares of Pfizer or BioNTech. There was an attempt to hide this fact by using their initials instead of full names on the study. All emergency use authorization excludes pregnant women. Pregnant and nursing mothers were not allowed to participate in phases one, two, and three of human clinical trials. They were included on a list of 21 conditions that were not allowed to be recruited for trials. And she's got all the documentation. She's got all the links here. The Department of Defense data is showing that female soldiers are having an astronomical rate of abnormalities and fetal problems. Note, Matthew Crawford of Rounding the Earth Substack has stated he does not believe any of the DOD data is reliable as it's been demonstrably tampered with, having said that, and she links to him. Having said that, there are whistleblowers on the ground who corroborate that the rates of a variety of serious medical issues have indeed skyrocketed in the year 2021. Adverse events. In the Pfizer documents that were released thanks to legal force, there is data on reported adverse events since the rollout of the vaccine. On pages 12 and 13 of the document labeled Post-Marketing Experience, Dr. Wolf's Team 5 found 
28% of the 270 pregnancies and four fetus or baby cases of adverse events were categorized as serious, including miscarriages, fetal deaths, uterine contractions, preterm deliveries, premature rupture of membranes, fetal growth restrictions. Breastfed babies were reported to have effects such as infantile vomiting, fever, rash, agitation, allergy to the vaccine. Four nursing women reported adverse events such as partial paralysis, suppressed lactation, breast milk discoloration, breast pain, migraines. The document concludes that no serious adverse events have been detected. Dr. Wolf again questions whether we, as citizens of the United States of America, must begin to consider if all of these signs put together point to a serious national security breach. She has never seen anything as bad as what we've as what we're seeing today in her 30 years in journalism. There's a strong case that the potential risks for pregnant women from taking the COVID vaccine far outweigh the potential benefits. On May 17th, Dr. Wolf reappeared on Steve Bannon's war room shortly after the FDA and the CDC authorized the Pfizer COVID-19 booster for 5 to 11-year-olds. In this segment, Dr. Wolf revealed some new information about data on the vaccine for pregnant and nursing mothers. First of all, in Scotland, there is an investigation happening right now that was triggered by a threshold that was crossed regarding the number of neonatal deaths. It's double the baseline amount, and this is the second time in seven months that the rate triggered an investigation. Secondly, contrary to BBC claims, partially funded by Pfizer, that the rise in in neonatal deaths cannot be connected to the vaccine, Dr. Wolf's team, specifically Project Manager Amy Kelly, has found conclusive evidence to the contrary in Pfizer's own documents. Thirdly, Pfizer defined exposure to the vaccine as breastfeeding. This was not disclosed to pregnant women. A research team in Germany has confirmed to Dr. Wolf that breast milk can deliver elements of the vaccine to the baby. Fourthly, a baby born to a vaccinated mother died after being born bleeding from the nose and mouth. And fifthly, a mother received her second vaccine dose on March 17th, and within 24 hours, her breastfed infant developed a rash and became inconsolable. The baby died two days later with evidence of liver damage and a rare blood disorder. The history of the claims of safety and efficacy regarding the COVID-19 vaccines for pregnant and nursing mothers will hopefully result in individuals who will be held criminally, criminally liable. Next, missing data. Daily Cloud's expert Team 5 research team has reported some alarming numbers from Pfizer's documents regarding missing information. In one group of 270 pregnancies, there was there were no known outcomes for 238 of the 270 pregnancies. That leaves us with 36 known outcomes. Of those 36 known outcomes, 28 babies died before or at birth. It would be really helpful to know the outcome 
of the remaining 238 cases. Next, pieces of the puzzle, a timeline. Let's start with March 2021. Fifty participants in a clinical trial reported becoming pregnant, with some of them subsequently being dismissed from the trials. Cindy L. Weiss of the Daily Clout found that those 50 women have still not had their profiles updated to include pregnancy outcomes. In the same March 2021 document, we can see that Pfizer themselves admits the following. Number one, available data are insufficient to inform vaccine-related risks in pregnancy. Number two, adverse effects from the vaccine on a breastfed child are a possibility. Continuing on the timeline, July 2021 in Waterloo, Ontario, between the months of January through July 2021, there were 86 babies who were born dead, otherwise known as stillbirths. The baseline rate is usually five to six per year, but this was 86 in half a year. One brave member of the Canadian Parliament named Rich Rick Nichols raised the issue in a parliamentary session with great concern and passion. In response, the Canadian Minister of Health gave the answer we're all used to. He said the vaccine is safe and effective. Just to note, there was no noticeable rise in stillbirths in the year 2020, the year of COVID. No, no. The rise in stillbirths was in the year 2021, the year of the vaccine. Continuing with the timeline, September 2021, Scotland launched its first investigation into an abnormal spike in newborn baby deaths. That was triggered by surpassing a threshold in infant deaths that had not been seen since the 1980s. Again now, remember, the spike occurred in 2021, the year of the vaccine, not 2020, the year of COVID. Ashmedai, over at Resisting the Intellectual Literati, wrote an extensive report on fertility issues and the vaccine back in September of 2021, and they linked to that. The timeline continues. August 2021, NPR reported on a survey out of the University of Chicago to investigate reports of changes in menstrual cycles after the vaccine. They received 140,000 responses. October 2021, theirs, the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System, looked like this, and they have a graph in which COVID vaccine reproductive health-related reports continue to steadily go up. Now, at this point, Itana Hecht, the Israeli journalist, says, I ran my own theirs report using only a few pregnancy-related keywords The list is 769 events long, and here's a screenshot of just a few from the first page. Well, what do we see on the screenshot? Things like this. 
I received the vaccine and was unknowingly pregnant. My first shot was on January 6, 2021. My second shot was on January 27th. I conceived on January 25th, two days before the second shot. And I ended up miscarrying the child, and when they sent it for testing, it had two abnormal chromosomes, one of which they said is very rare, and they have no idea how or why the baby had this. I was told that the vaccine was supposed to be safe for pregnant people, but with no family history of anything like this happening and no history of any children being born with mutations, I believe this happened from the vaccine, possibly caused by the spike in temperature I experienced after the second shot. I should have been due to deliver October of 2021. Next vaccine adverse event report. Received first dose, approximately six weeks gestation. Field fetal, fetal development stopped later the same week. Missed miscarriage, discovered at eight weeks, three days. Complete miscarriage at eight weeks, five days. Next. Next report. Miscarriage of the 16 to 17-week fetus. This is a spontaneous report from a contactable consumer or patient. A 30-year-old female patient received the first dose of the Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine. They even give the lot number. Via an unspecified route of administration, administered in the left arm, March 26, 2021, at 16.30, military time. As a single dose for COVID-19 immunization, the patient had no medical history, no known allergies. The patient's concomitant Medications included unspecified prenatal vitamins. The patient did not have other vaccines in four weeks prior to the COVID vaccine. On an unspecified date in March 2021, the patient had a miscarriage of the 16 to 17-week fetus. The patient had surgery to remove the fetus and tissue. The mother was due to deliver on September 9, 2021. The outcome of the event was recovering. The patient had a nasal swab COVID-19 test on April 22nd, with a result of negative, the event was reported as life-threatening. And they go on and on and on. Late miscarriage. More miscarriages. One right after the other. But again, as she said, I ran my own VAERS report using only a few pregnancy-related keywords. The list is 769 events long. We're told safe and effective, right? The timeline continues. December 2021. In vitro fertilization clinics, IVF clinics, reported unusual issues after the mass vaccination campaign began. Steve Kirsch and his own substack covered it thoroughly. In his article entitled, IVF clinics started having serious problems right after the vaccines started rolling out, and they link to his article. Timeline continues, January 2022. NIH funded a study that was released that reported a slight causal relationship between the COVID-19 vaccines and a lengthier menstrual cycle. 
Timeline continues, February 2022. The health agency for the European Union announced an investigation between COVID-19 and disruptions in menstrual cycles based on reports coming in. John Gutzkow reported on data from Rambam Hospital in Haifa, Israel. Vaccinated mothers were experiencing spontaneous abortions, miscarriages, stillbirths at a rate that's 34% higher than their unvaccinated counterparts. Timeline continues, March 2022, a second investigation was launched in Scotland due to the high rate of infant deaths, totaling 18 for the month of March, and they link to that. Pfizer, what say you? She says, after spending days reading reports about the horrible negative effects of fertility that are coming out in droves, I had to at least try and get some sort of response from Pfizer. After sitting on hold for a while, a gentleman named Ron came on the line. When I asked if the COVID-19 vaccine is safe for a pregnant woman to take, he read me the entire safety warning from Pfizer's website. I then told him that I know many women who have had serious disruptions to their menstrual cycle, as well as numerous women who experienced miscarriage late-term Shortly after getting one of the Pfizer vaccines, I asked him what he knows about the safety and efficacy of the vaccine. Given all the new information that's come out from the Freedom of Information Act requests, he responded that he can pass me along to his managers, but first he has to read another statement, this time from the CDC. He proceeded to verbally read it for 10 minutes while I waited patiently. When he finished, surprised that I was still on the line, he asked if I had any more questions. I said yes, and asked if he wanted to be a whistleblower. He said he noted my response and passed me along to Olivia, which was pretty much a repeat of the first conversation. I left contact information with both of them just in case. But somehow, I highly doubt will get a response. I did note to both of them that should they want to get on the right side of this scandal and begin to help those who are suffering, they should do so before the, before the entire thing crumbles down. Now what? We're now in May 2022. The claims of safety and efficacy don't match their own internal documents that they tried to hide for 75 years before the judge ruled against them and said they have to release them now. Yet academic institutions and public health agencies continue to insist it's recommended for pregnant women to receive COVID-19 vaccines and boosters. Until when? Until the wave of misery gets so large that it's no longer deniable? No one is coming to save us. Groups like Daily Clout, VSRF, which stands for Vaccine Safety, America's Frontline Doctors, Children's Health Defense, and ICANN, 
are sources of inspiration that there are still good men and women out there, as well as a source of hope that through their strength and efforts will come out of the other side of this with some integrity still left in some medical professionals. Now, that is Etana Hecht, Israeli journalist, over at her own substack entitled Clown World and the article, Vaccinated Women, Fertility Signals Are Coming Through. And that is something that Naomi Wolf linked to from her substack. More of Naomi Wolf's substack coming up. And, and yes, we're going to try to get to the question, totally unrelated to this, are more Arkansas happening to people who have had close working relationships with the Clintons? We have only yet begun to scratch the surface of today's voice of the resistance, the Doc Washburn Show. But I, I will say this. We're just so thankful for our advertisers for making it possible for us to do what we do each day on the Voice of the Resistance, the Doc Washburn Show. If you try to buy a car recently, you realize there's such a chip shortage, you may have a hard time finding what you're looking for. People I know have actually bought vehicles from hundreds of miles away from where they live. That's where Red River Your Way comes in. Red River Your Way is a big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including... Your freedom to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV the way you want to. You can buy online, and they'll drive it to you no matter where you are. Red River Your Way wants to make your car buying experience as easy and transparent as possible. That's why they've added technology to their website to put you in complete control of your payment options and allows you to complete the entire purchase process online. But don't worry, Red River experts are still here to help you every step of the way if you have any questions. Red River makes it so easy. As you browse their selection, you'll see each vehicle has a button that says Explore Payment Options on it. Clicking that button guides you through a few easy questions and then create personalized payment options you have complete control over. All you have to do is adjust your preferences, and all the math happens automatically so you can figure out what monthly payment works best for your budget. Red River Your Way makes car buying online easy. Your whole car buying process is completely transparent. If you want to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV, order online from the nationwide car dealer that believes in freedom, the dealer that will deliver your vehicle to your front door no matter where you live, RedRiverYourWay.com. You will be glad you did. We talk a lot about pushing back against the overreach of the federal government. What better example would there be than Obamacare? Are you like most Americans? Did Obamacare? The so-called Affordable Care Act. Make your health care more expensive. Does your health insurance premium feel like a second mortgage? Does your sky-high deductible prevent you from going to the doctor? Do your sky-high co-pays keep you from going to the doctor? If you answered yes to any of these questions, you need to go to a website called MyFamilyHealthPlan.com. When you click on MyFamilyHealthPlan.com, you see the big, bold letters, Affordable Plans. Save 30 to 50% on premiums. Personalized health coverage, low to no deductible, no co-pays. And then that big, beautiful red button that says schedule, call now. You click on the red button, you book a free consultation with my friend Art Wilborn. He makes sure there are no gaps in your coverage, and he also makes sure that your personalized health coverage gives you a plan that doesn't force you to cover things like abortion, 
horrible things which would deeply offend your deeply held religious beliefs. MyFamilyHealthPlan.com, affordable plans, save 30 to 50% on premiums, personalized health coverage, low to no deductible, no co-pays. Click the big red button, schedule a call now, book a free consultation with Art Wilborn. He makes sure there are no gaps in your coverage. Save money on your insurance at MyFamilyHealthPlan.com. All right, let me ask you this. Does your financial advisor take the time to listen and get to know you? Is your financial strategy personalized for you and your family? Will your financial advisor be there as your life and financial situations change? When you work with Jonathan Presswood, he focuses on what's important to you. He uses an established process to help you achieve your unique goals, whether that's preparing for retirement, making your money last in retirement, planning your estate or inheritance, preparing for the unexpected, or anything else, Jonathan Presswood can help. Now, what should you do if you leave a job and have a 401K or other retirement plan? Or if you're getting close to retirement or already in retirement? Call my friend, Jonathan Presswood, today. He'll help you create a personalized financial strategy backed by the advice, tools, and resources to help you reach your goals. And he'll partner together with you to help your strategy stay on track no matter what life throws at you. Listen, we can all dream of having a perfect retirement, but how many of us will actually experience it? No matter where you are today, Jonathan Presswood is offering a free retirement analysis to figure out where you'd like to be and what it will take to get you there. And there's no obligation. Contact Jonathan Presswood, a financial advisor with Edward Jones Investments, today at 501 501- 303-4844. Again, that's 501-303-4844. Don't wait. Call Jonathan Presswood today at 501-303-4844. Now, if you're like me, you can't remember phone numbers, go to our website, docwashburnshow.com. Just click on the link to Jonathan Presswood at Edward Jones. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Member SIPC. All right, thank you very much, Jonathan Presswood. Thank you very much, Art Wilborn. Thank you very much, my buddy Mitch Ward over at Red River for making it possible for us to do the Voice of the Resistance, the Doc Washburn Show, on a daily basis. We appreciate y'all. All right, let me get back to Naomi Wolf. And again, we will be talking about the Arkansas coming up. Outspoken with Dr. Naomi Wolf is the name of her substack. The article is entitled, Dear Friends, Sorry to Announce a Genocide. It's really true. They know they're killing the babies. For people listening on the live stream, on the Podbean app, I see your comments and I will share them after, I'll share them on the show after this this article that I'm sharing. So Naomi Wolf continues, it seems that there can indeed be a happenstance genocide. Reproduction itself is targeted, intentionally or not, by the mRNA vaccines. And if you know that reproduction is harmed, and babies and fetuses are harmed, and you know that this is at scale, which everyone at Pfizer And at the FDA, who read these documents, knew. And if you do not stop 
then does that not ultimately become a genocide? The War Room Daily Clout volunteers have confirmed that lipid nanoparticles, the tiny, hard, fatty casings that contain the mRNA, traverse the amniotic membrane. That means that they enter the fetal environment, of course. They also traverse the blood-brain barrier, which may help explain the post-mRNA vaccination strokes and cognitive issues we are seeing. The volunteers who are investigating the 55,000 pages of Pfizer documents that the FDA wanted kept sealed for 75 years, but the judge ordered them to release. The volunteers have drilled deep into the Pfizer documents reports about pregnancy and found that the assurance that the vaccine is safe and effective for pregnant women was based on a study of 44 French rats followed For 42 days, the scientists who ran the study are shareholders or employers of BioNTech. The volunteers found that while pregnant women were excluded from the internal studies and thus from the emergency use authorization on which basis all pregnant women were assured the vaccine was safe and effective, nonetheless, about 270 women got pregnant during the study. More than 230 of them were lost somehow to history. But of the 36 pregnant women whose outcomes were followed, 28 lost their babies. The volunteers found that a baby died after nursing from a vaccinated lactating mother and was found to have had an inflamed liver. Many babies nursing from vaccinated mothers showed agitation, gastrointestinal distress, and failure to thrive, to grow, and were inconsolable. I'm hearing anecdotal reports of these symptoms and babies nursing from vaccinated mothers now from across the country. The Pfizer documents also show that some vaccinated mothers had suppressed lactation or could not produce milk at all. Doctors, of course, are all just stumped by all of this. They're they're just stumped. The NIH database has a preprint study making the case that there are negligible amounts of PEG in the breast milk of vaccinated women. But what is a negligible amount of a petroleum product in mother's milk when you are a tiny newborn with no immunities just arriving in the world? The NIH preprint itself reported higher levels of gastrointestinal distress and sleeplessness in the infant studied And one mother had elevated PEG levels in breast milk, and the fine print concludes that more study is needed. Here's the quote. Larger studies are needed to increase our understanding of transfer of PEG into human milk and potential effects after ingestion by the infant. Although expert consensus states there is minimal or no potential risk for the infant from maternal COVID-19 vaccination. The minor symptoms that were reported, sleep changes and gastrointestinal symptoms, 
could be further investigated in future studies to determine if they are related to vaccination. Since no babies died in the brief time frame of the tiny study, the study concluded the nursing babies suffered no real ill effects from vaccinated mothers, but the study did not follow these poor babies with their acknowledged sleeplessness and then confirmed gastrointestinal distress to see if they actually thrived, gained weight, and developed normally. On such faulty science, were women assured that the vaccines were safe and effective for them and their nursing babies. But four of the lactating vaccinated women in the Pfizer documents reported blue-green breast milk. I am not making this up. And the nursing baby who died with an inflamed liver, the case has been buried, has not made any headlines. Coincidentally, or not, the same FDA that turned a blind eye to vast harms to humans and to the subcategory of moms and babies in the Pfizer documents, declared that Abbott, a major producer of baby formula in the U.S., had to close its factory. How about that? Coincidentally, with little formula available and with some or many, we don't know, vaccinated moms having compromised breast milk It turns out that Bill Gates, Jeff Bezos, Richard Branson, and Mark Zuckerberg have all invested in a startup called Biomilk, B-I-O-M-I-L-Q, which produces lab-grown breast milk from mammary cells. Reports of the startup include this Frankenstein-like language as if this is normal. Quote, the BioMilk team creates its product from cells taken from human breast tissue and milk donated by women in the local community who get a Target gift card in return, unquote. As if all of this is not horrific enough, Ms. Hecht drew studies from three countries, Canada, Scotland, and now Israel, to show that babies are dying disproportionately during and after 2021 in highly vaccinated countries, and the newborns are dying disproportionately if they have vaccinated mothers versus unvaccinated mothers. In highly vaccinated Scotland, almost twice the number of babies died in 2021 has died in baseline numbers. In Ontario, Canada, 86 babies died in 2021 versus a baseline of four or five. This was a baby die-off so severe that a brave parliamentarian brought the issue to Parliament in Israel At Rambam Hospital in Haifa, Israel, there were 34% more spontaneous abortions and stillbirths to vaccinated women as to unvaccinated women. And they link to that article. Ms. Hecht also notes that menstrual dysregulation in vaccinated women is fully confirmed now by many studies with an average of one extra day of bleeding a month, a side effect about which Naomi Wolf here says she warned in March of 2021, which in turn got her called names by a CNN commentator and permanently deplatformed from Twitter. She says, you don't have to know more than eighth grade biology to know that a dysregulated menstrual cycle, not to mention spike protein accumulating in the ovaries, not to mention the traversing of the body's membranes, 
including the amniotic sac, with tiny, hard, fatty, lipid nanoparticles, not to mention PEG and breast milk, is all going to affect fertility, fetal health, childbirth, and baby's gastrointestinal well-being or distress, and thus their ability or failure to thrive, let alone to bond. And now, the babies are dying. Now, scale the data from Canada, Scotland, and Israel to all the vaccinated nations in the world. What do we do with all this? Knowing as I now do that Pfizer and the FDA knew the babies were dying and mother's milk discoloring by just looking at their own internal records, Knowing as I do that they did not alert anyone, let alone stop what they were doing, and that to this day Pfizer, the FDA, and other demonic so-called public health entities are pushing to mRNA vaccinate more and more pregnant women. Now that they are about to force this on women in Africa and other lower-income nations who are not seeking the mRNA vaccines, per Pfizer CEO Borla. This past week, the World Economic Forum, and knowing that Pfizer is pushing and may even receive a U.S. emergency use authorization for babies to five-year-olds, I must conclude that we are looking into an abyss of evil not seen since 1945. So, I don't know about you, but I must switch gears this kind of unspeakable knowledge to uh, another kind of discourse. I'm not saying that this is exactly like finding evidence of Dr. Mengele's experiments, but I am saying with these findings that now the comparison may not be that excessive. These anti-humans at Pfizer, speaking at the World Economic Forum, these anti-humans at the FTA, knowing what they know, are targeting the miraculous female body with its ability to conceive, gestate, birth, and nurture life. They are targeting the female body's ability to sustain a newborn human being with nothing but itself. They are targeting the amniotic membrane, the ovaries that release the ovum. They are targeting the lymph and blood that help support the building up of mother's milk. They are targeting the fetus in utero, helpless. They are targeting the human fetus's very environment, one of the most sacred spaces on this earth, if not the most sacred, and... They know it. I don't know about you, and I'm not proselytizing, but as you may know if you read me here, these apocalyptic days, I turn to prayer. I have started to say in public, once I had to face the fact of the die-off of the babies, that this is a biblical time, and I mean Old Testament biblical. It is a time like that of the construction of the Tower of Babel, of massive arrogance against divine plans, 
men such as Bill Gates tamper with and seek to outdo God's best works in lab after lab, and tech brothers disrupt the human competition for their unsought-after goods and services by targeting human processes and by ruining the bodies made in the image of God. It is a time like that when the ten plagues assailed the Egyptians in the book of Exodus, chapter 11, verses 4 through 6. So Moses said, This is what the Lord says, About midnight I will go throughout Egypt. Every firstborn son in Egypt will die, from the firstborn son of Pharaoh who sits on the throne to the firstborn son of the female slave who is at her hand mill and all the firstborn of the cattle as well. There will be loud wailing throughout Egypt, worse than there has ever been or ever will be again. This was the worst plague of all, the slaying of the firstborn. Oh, my. It is a time of Satan going to and fro in the earth and walking up and down in it as the book of Job describes him in the second chapter. It is a time of demons sauntering around in human spaces, though they look human enough themselves, smug in their Italian suits on panels at the World Economic Forum. Satan and his armies, ruining the conception, the milk, the menses, the touch, the cradling of the infant by its mother, ruining the feeding of the infant, ruining the babies themselves. I read the prophets a lot these days because how could I not? I am looking for what writer Annie Lamott called operating instructions. What do you do when humanity itself is threatened? When there are professional battalions and bureaucratic departments of people who act with anathema toward the human race? Surely. Surely there must be a clue. So I reread the story of Noah and the book of Esther a lot these days. I reread Jeremiah. We've been here before. Embarrassingly often when it comes to that, the story is always the same. At least in the Hebrew Bible, in the New Testament, of course, God skips to the end and upends the plot. At least in the Hebrew Bible, God is always trying to get our attention, always, it seems, simply asking us just to walk alongside him. Simply asking us to keep his not-too-challenging commandments. Not indeed asking a lot. In the book of Jeremiah, the word of the Lord came to me again. What do you see? I see a pot that is boiling, I answered. It is tilting toward us from the north. The Lord said to me, from the north, Disaster will be poured out on all who live in the land. I am about to summon all the peoples of the northern kingdoms, declared the Lord. Their kings will come and set up their thrones in the entrance of the gates of Jerusalem. They will come against all her surrounding walls and against all the towns of Judah. 
I will pronounce my judgments on my people because of their wickedness and forsaking me and burning incense to other gods and in worshiping what their hands have made. In the Hebrew, in the Hebrew Bible, anyway, the math is simple. We turn, we listen, and we are saved, or we carry on heedlessly, worshiping what our own hands have made, sluts to other gods, to the science, to media lies, to the narcissism of convention. These days, one might say, and thus we are lost. We have been nearly lost time after time after time. This time could really be the last time. These monsters in the labs on the transnational panels are so very skillful and so powerful, and their dark work is so extensive. If God is there again after all the times that we have tried his patience, and who indeed knows, will we reach out a hand to him in return? Will we take hold in the last moment out of this abyss and simply find a way somehow to walk alongside him? Or we, or will we this time in losing the babies and heedlessly carrying on nonetheless be truly lost ourselves? And that is Dr. Naomi Wolf in her substack entitled Outspoken with Dr. Naomi Wolf and her article is entitled Dear Friends, Sorry to Announce a Genocide. It's really true. They know they are killing the babies. Now, what I want to do what I want to do is answer her question. Now, we still have coming up the completely unrelated question, are Arkansas continuing strange, mysterious deaths of people who were associated with the Clintons? We, we, we still have it coming up, but, 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 but. I, I, uh, I feel I must answer Naomi Wolf's question. And and again, let me give it to you again. Let me give it to you again. At the end of her remarkable, remarkable article, in context, well, you know what? I'll do that. I'll do that in just a moment. I'll do that in just a moment. Yeah, yeah, that is uh, that is coming right up here on the voice of the resistance, the resistance to the Uniparty, the resistance to the bloodshed, the Doc Washburn Show. Let me once again express how thankful we are to our advertisers. I want to mention a couple of them to you. They make it possible for us to do what we do. Like my friend Justin Minton, M-I-N-T-O-N, Minton in Benton. Now, Justin's a former insurance adjuster who left the insurance industry to become a private lawyer, founded the Minton Law Firm to help injured people fight against powerful insurance companies and corporations. And he has sure helped me out 
with the three automobile accidents I've been in since 2019. The Minton Law Firm has a great team of lawyers, including the 2016 Trial Lawyer of the Year and the 2016 Outstanding Young Lawyer of the Year. The insurance companies take Justin Minton and his team of lawyers seriously because they know they can and will take your case to trial if need be. So whether you want to go to trial or settle out of court, it's a really good idea to have a knowledgeable trial attorney on your side. Justin's team aims to bring justice to clients who have been injured and need somebody to stand up for them. No matter what the injury, Justin Minton... Make sure the Minton Law Firm always works hard for you. Whether you're in a car wreck, hurt on the job, or you or a loved one is suffering from the carelessness of another, if you're in Arkansas, Justin Minton Law, M-I-N-T-O-N, Minton and Benton, is here to help you. Just call the Minton Law Firm, 501-943-4195, or visit justinmintonlaw.com today. Hey, I'd like to help you with some health issues. Do you have migraines? Neck pain, back pain, vertigo, acid reflux, eczema, problems with your blood sugar, maybe even hay fever. Okay, let's do a little test. Look in the mirror. Does one eye look bigger than the other? Are your eyes off balance? Are your shoulders off balance? Look at a picture of yourself. Are you tilting your head to the left or the right instead of sitting up or standing up straight? If the answer to any of these questions is yes... You probably need to get your atlas adjusted. That's how I got rid of my migraines, neck pain, and hay fever. Let me explain to you how it works because it's the best kept secret in American healthcare. Your skull weighs anywhere from 8 to 15 pounds. It rests on the top bone of your spinal column, the atlas, which only weighs 2 ounces. So it's really easy for your atlas to get out of alignment. If it does, your whole spinal column can get kinked up like a chain, restricting your central nervous system's ability to send impulses to the rest of your body. It can affect your respiratory system reproductive system, circulatory system, even digestive system, and yes, it can cause migraines, neck pain, back pain, acid reflux, eczema, vertigo, problems with your blood sugar. Do yourself a favor. If you're in Arkansas, call my friends at the Arkansas Upper Cervical Center, 501-279-2009, for a free consultation to see if you need to get your atlas adjusted, because you probably do. If you're outside Central Arkansas, go to their website, turnmypoweron.com, and click on Find a Doctor Near You. And I sure hope you can. All right. um, Let me me go back. Because I want to do this in context. To the end of Dr. Naomi Wolf's Substack article. And uh, she says, well, she quotes from Jeremiah. She says, uh, at least in the Hebrew Bible, God is always trying to get our attention, always, it seems, simply asking us, just to walk alongside him, simply asking us to keep his not-too-challenging commandments, not indeed asking a lot. She quotes from Jeremiah. The word of the Lord came to me again. What do you see? I see a pot that is boiling, I answered. It is tilting toward us from the north. The Lord said to me, from the north, disaster will be poured out on all who live in the land. I'm about to summon all the people 
of the northern kingdom, declares the Lord. Their kings will come and set up their thrones in the entrance of the gates of Jerusalem. They will come against all their surrounding walls and against all the towns of Judah. I will pronounce my judgments on my people because of their wickedness and forsaking me and burning incense to other gods and in worshiping what their hands have made. She says in the Hebrew Bible, all anyway, the, the math is simple. We turn, we listen, and we are saved. Or we carry on heedlessly, worshiping what our own hands have made. Sluts to other gods, to the so-called science, to media lies, to the narcissism of convention. These days one might say, and thus we are lost. We have been nearly lost time after time after time. This time could really be the last time. These monsters in the labs on the transnational panels are so very skillful and so powerful, and their dark work is so extensive. If God is there, again, after all the times that we have tried his patience, and who indeed knows, will we reach out a hand to him in return? Will we take hold in the last moment out of this abyss and simply find a way somehow to walk alongside him? Or will we this time, in losing the babies and heedlessly carrying on nonetheless, be truly lost ourselves? I want to try to answer this because the commandments are challenging. And it's not just in the Old Testament that God tries to get the attention of mankind, but literally in the New Testament by sending his son as a human being. Not only to get our attention, but to take the punishment for our sins on the cross, of our own making. Yes, indeed. The whole of Scripture, all 66 books, is God reaching out to man. Because as we are told in Paul's letter to the Romans, in which he quotes from the Old Testament, all of us forsook him. None seeks after God. No, not one. No, no. Free will? Sure, we got free will. We naturally say, I think I prefer this kind of sin to that kind of sin. But none of us reach out to him. Jesus told Nicodemus, you have to be born again. Ezekiel had the story of the valley of dry bones. We're told we were dead in our trespasses and sins. Not terminally ill. Not bad off. Dead. You must be born again. So he still reaches out. So pray that you and your loved ones will see the spiritual dimension of what's going on here. You know, when, uh, when I met in a conference room in a church in North Little Rock, Monday, February 7th, 2022, and they, somebody asked me, what would your top priority be? If you decide to run for governor, I said to glorify God. 
I mean, have you heard? Have you heard what uh, what Paul told the church in Ephesus? His letter to the Ephesians, the sixth chapter. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Have you heard about that? It's true. It's true. Look, I didn't run for governor because I thought I had a good chance of winning. I wanted to win. We did everything we could. But we knew the results were in God's hands. We were just trying to be obedient. You know, we're, we're told to do the works of an evangelist. So now I would talk about the fact that uh, they're killing people in the hospitals who had COVID, refusing to treat them, going home, come back and feel worse, and boy, did they. Put them on a ventilator, 97% of them would die. I said, there's going to be a reckoning. I don't know what it's going to look like. I would hope that some of these people will be held accountable in courts on this earth, but, but, all of us, every one of us, when we leave this life, We'll stand before the Lord God Almighty and give an account for what we've done on this earth. And our only hope, our only hope, is that God sent his son to die for our sins on that cross. He was raised from the dead three days later. That's our only hope. And I shared that with small groups and I shared that with large groups. So I ran for governor, hoping to win, but the main point was to glorify God, and God was glorified. God is glorified when his word is shared, and it will not return void. So now the question is, what are you going to do with this information that I shared with you? I hope that you will share this podcast with your loved ones, with your friends. I don't know if I can share the article from Naomi Wolf on social media or if it'll get me banned or suspended or they'll throttle it or whatever. But if you know how to do an Internet search, and I would advise against using Google, maybe DuckDuckGo or whatever, and you can type in the words Naomi Wolf and Substack, S-U-B-S-T-A-C-K, one word. You can find the article that I just shared with you. It was profound. I did not expect her to be quoting scripture at the end of it. Now, before we get to the question, are there any more Arkansas, let me just share with you the comments on the Podbean app about the article that I just shared with you about the vaccines. 
One person said, I have tried to tell all my family and friends they would not listen. Another person said, think of all the older people with blood clotting issues prior to getting the jab. I couldn't stop my parents because they did it quicker than I could inform them. Another person said, some of my family listened, some did not. Some sadly thought that they had no choice and even sadder still. I actually have some family that couldn't wait to take the poison and gladly would have paid their last dime to get it. Another comment. Even I was so confused about it at first, I told my adult son not to get another one. Grandparents got to him before I could stop him for the first one. But at one point told him not to get a booster or another shot. He gets it now, and grandparents, I told at one point, may want to consider because of their age. Then I was further informed, and I wish they didn't jump to get the first one that came around. Another comment. Two hours after getting one Moderna shot, I became lightheaded. Within three days, I broke out with a severe case of the shingles. My blood pressure went to 220 over 110, and I passed out of my truck at work. I didn't get the second shot. I was 58 years old at the time with no health problems. Last comment. Flash, exactly the kind of thing we need to educate so many people about, and so sorry, absolutely shouldn't have even gotten close to happening. I'm a nurse and starting to think back over my career and my mom's career at how many ways and how many areas of medicine the corruption can and has gotten and how many times I could have been a part of treating someone based on profit instead of science. I wonder about the meds I've passed that may have been unnecessary and even harmful because I was doing my job. So, what are we told to do in Scripture? What does Scripture tell us to do? What what sort of prayer does it tell us? We all heard of the sinner's prayer. What does it tell us to do? I don't know. I can't find the sinner's prayer in the Bible. I know I prayed it at a Billy Graham crusade when I was 16 years old, but I can't find it in the Bible. What I do find is we are commanded to repent of our sins and obey God. What I do find in the book of Romans, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. I do find that we are commanded to repent of our sins and obey him. That's God's command. That's God's command. So... Before we move on to the question, are the Arkansas continuing? I uh, I got to do a little something here. 
Hit it, Brian. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. It's the Doc Washburn Show Tweet of the Day. Brought to you by RedRiverYourWay.com. Red River Your Way, the big old car dealership in the middle of the United States that believes in freedom, including your freedom. To buy the car, truck, van, or SUV of your choice online the way you want to. Have it delivered to your front door anywhere in the 48th continental United States. The tweet of the day is from someone named Andrea Catherine. She's a citizen journalist. She says, Piers Morgan is on Fox News talking about guns. Hearing him talking about guns makes me think of Carol Roth's famous tweet about muskets. See, back in uh, December of 2012, Carol Roth a conservative journalist got in an argument with Piers Morgan over the Second Amendment. And it went like this. Piers Morgan said the Second Amendment was devised, pardon me, the Second Amendment was devised with muskets in mind, not high-powered handguns and assault rifles. Fact. Carol Roth responded, It was devised for people to be able to protect themselves with the same type of weaponry used by those from whom they might need protection. Piers Morgan responded, where exactly does it say that in the Constitution? I must have missed it. Carol Roth responded, right next to the word muskets. Thank you, Mitch Ward and our friends at Red River Your Way for making the tweet of the day possible. Thanks so much. All right, now, that having been said, are Arkansas continuing? Will they continue as long as Bill and or Hillary are around? Well, let's see. Let's uh, let's look at the the evidence here. Over at Radar Online, um, Douglas Montero, RadarOnline.com. Second shocking death tied to bizarre suicide of Clinton Epstein Powell. This is from May twenty seventh, just last week. A second bizarre death has been linked to the. Mysterious Arkansas suicide of the former presidential advisor who introduced President Bill Clinton to billionaire perv Jeffrey Epstein. And only Radar Online has the shocking details of the rapidly growing body count. 47-year-old Ashley Haynes was found drowned in the Arkansas River with an extension cord knotted to her ankle and attached to a concrete block. Just months before businessman Mark Middleton's body was discovered hanging from a tree with the same style electrical cord wrapped around his neck and a close-range shotgun blast through his chest. A stunned business associate who knew Middleton and is calling for an independent investigation into his May 7th death tells RadarOnline.com that it's beyond coincidence that 47-year-old Haynes had visited Clinton's now-dead pal's office to discuss a financial matter. The business associate tells RadarOnline.com 
I saw her in Mark's office. I was leaving, and he, Middleton, was telling me that he had a very important financial meeting, and that's the woman who came in. The source says, I don't know if there's anything connecting there or not, but I know that it was shocking to me to hear she drowns while paddling in the Arkansas River. Then Mark mysteriously dies a few months later. Miss Haynes, a mother of two from the Little Rock suburb of Maumel, Arkansas, vanished on January 12th after leaving a note on her kitchen island counter stating, quote, on the water, love you all, unquote. She was last seen by a local resident paddleboarding in a wetsuit, according to the police report obtained by RadarOnline.com. After a massive search, her corpse was discovered four days later by a family friend submerged in 10 feet of water. The police report says Mrs. Haynes had a bag strapped to her leg with a green extension cord. Inside the bag was a large concrete block that measured 16 by 16 by 4. A source close to Ms. Haynes, who worked for a charitable group to feed and clothe the homeless, tells Radar the 110-pound former model-turned-yoga teacher would have never taken her own life, let alone paddleboard down the river lugging a 58-pound concrete suicide block. The Haynes source said, it didn't make any sense. She would never kill herself. When I heard she went missing, I knew instantly it was foul play. I don't believe she killed herself. How could she water paddle down the river with a concrete block? The source did not know if Haynes knew or associated with Mark Middleton. Just like Middleton, Ms. Haynes allegedly suffered from depression, and both their deaths were determined to be suicide by investigators, even though neither left a telltale suicide note. Mark Middleton's death is equally baffling. Clinton's former presidential campaign finance director was found hanging from a tree with a cheap dollar store type extension cord around his neck after trespassing on a farm with a table to construct a makeshift gallows. Middleton's business associate tells RadarOnline.com, everyone that I know here that has worked with Mark, knows it is physically impossible for Mark to have killed himself. Well, yeah, how would you hang yourself with an extension cord and commit suicide using a shotgun to shoot yourself in the chest? Anyway, Middleton and Haynes are part of a growing list of corpses linked to Clinton and Epstein, who was found hanging inside his New York jail cell in 2019 while awaiting sex trafficking charges. Did, did I mention Epstein didn't kill himself? The others include Epstein's closest associate, 76-year-old Jean-Luc Brunel, French modeling, French modeling scout turned pimp, who was found hanging inside his Paris, France jail cell, and Clinton Epstein pal, 55-year-old Steve Bing, who allegedly committed suicide by taking a header from a 27-story Los Angeles condo in 2020. The business associate tells Radar Online that Middleton was actively engaged in financial investments with the same Little Rock characters 
who allegedly worked with John Glasgow, the chief financial officer of CDI Contractors Incorporated, the lead firm that constructed the Clinton Library. Glasgow vanished without a trace in 2008 after reporting financial irregularities with the Clinton Library construction costs, and his skeletal remains were found at Pettyjean State Park in 2015. His cause of death is undetermined. Attempts to reach the families of Middleton, Haynes, and Glasgow were unsuccessful. Interesting, interesting, interesting. But there, there's more. There's more. Back on May 13th, RadarOnline.com, Douglas Montero, article entitled, He Was Murdered. Bombshell claims surround makeshift gallows' death of Clinton's special advisor who let sicko Jeffrey Epstein into the White House. Former President Bill Clinton's special advisor linked to pedophile billionaire Jeffrey Epstein died in a bizarre suicide and only radar has the macabre details that have led some to suspect foul play. Mark Middleton, who introduced the perv to the president, was found May 7th hanging from a tree with a shotgun wound that blew a hole through his chest along with a cheap dollar store dollar store type extension cord as a noose on an Arkansas farm belonging to a non-profit Feed the Hungry agency loosely linked to the Clintons. So wait a minute, does that mean... That the lady who was found dead, submerged in the creek, Ashley Haynes, also worked for Heifer International? I don't know. Oddly, the Little Rock businessman and father of two daughters created his own makeshift gallows by standing on top of a table he dragged to the hanging tree, an apparent backup plan, in case the shotgun blast didn't end his life, according to what a law enforcement source told RadarOnline.com. Investigators still trying to determine why Middleton would have trespassed on the 1,200-acre grounds of the Heifer Ranch in Perryville, Arkansas, a farm run by Heifer International, whose headquarters is on the same panel, on the same parcel of land partially owned by the Clinton Presidential Center in Little Rock. Charles Ortell, a financial expert, who spent years probing the activities of the Clinton Foundation and the trail of dead bodies associated with the former president, believes Middleton's death and the Heifer property is designed to send a message. He told RadarOnline.com, so if you're telling me this guy was found on a Heifer property, he was murdered is my bet. 59-year-old Middleton joins a growing pile of corpses associated with Epstein who in August 2019 was suspiciously found hanged in his New York jail cell where he was awaiting a sex trafficking trial for allegedly providing a bevy of young girls to powerful politicians and businessmen, rumored to include Prince Andrew. While working as President Clinton's special advisor under then-Chief of Staff Thomas Mac McClarty in the early 90s, Middleton reportedly befriended Epstein and invited him to the White House at least seven times to meet the commander-in-chief. Middleton, who ran a successful Little Rock air conditioning business, that's right, Middleton Heating and Air, 
and served as Clinton's presidential campaign finance director, also jetted on Epstein's private jet, dubbed the Lolita Express, along with the president and the perv, as their friendship blossomed. So, this is suspicious, isn't it? One year after leaving the White House in 1995, Middleton became an international dealmaker, and a subsequent investigation found he had abused his access to the executive office to impress business clients. His death came three months after Epstein's closest associate, Jean-Luc Brunel, French modeling scout-turned-pimp, was found hanged inside his Paris jail cell while awaiting sex trafficking charges. Homera Seller, pardon me, Homera Sellier, the founder of the Paris-based victims group Innocence in Danger, which helped authorities in the Epstein investigation, tells RadarOnline.com that Brunel's suspicious death continues to be shrouded in mystery. He said there's very thick silence around his death. We don't know anything. It was a suicide, but there isn't any information about who found him. Nothing. It's becoming ridiculous because the number of people who die since the Epstein case came out is just ridiculous. It's a mystery how these people just disappear. So, they mentioned again the Steve Bing death, falling from a 27-story L.A. luxury high-rise in June of 2020. Renowned attorney Spencer Coven, who represented several of Epstein's victims, called all the head-scratching deaths suspicious He told RadarOnline.com, yet another suspicious death of one of Epstein's friends. Unfortunately, it seems a tragedy surrounds anyone who had anything to do with Jeffrey Epstein. It appears that the arc of karma may be long, but eventually catches up with everyone. Mark Middleton's death is equally bizarre because even though his family told authorities he was depressed, he didn't leave a suicide note, according to Perry County Sheriff Scott Montgomery. The Heifer Ranch is about 30 miles northwest of Middleton's home in the Little Rock area. The sheriff said, I don't know the man, and I don't know why he picked our county or picked that location to commit suicide. To our knowledge, he had never been there before, and we have no record of him being there before. The sheriff said he died from a self-inflicted gun, a shotgun wound to the chest. He found a tree, and he pulled a table over there, and he got on that table, and he took an extension cord and put it around a limb, put it around his neck, and he shot himself in the chest with a shotgun. He said it was very evident that the shotgun worked because there was not a lot of blood or anything on the scene. Uh-oh. Reminds me of Boys on the Tracks. He says you can tell the shotgun blast was on his chest. You can tell that because there's a hole in the chest and pellets came out the back of his back. It is definitely self-inflicted in our opinion. Half a ranch workers, a hey, more on that. I got an update on what the sheriff said. Hang on, don't go anywhere. Half a ranch workers first noticed Middleton's abandoned car in the parking lot and notified the sheriff's office. Staffers found the body a short time later as the car, which showed no signs of struggle or damage, was being towed. Chris Coxon, spokesman for Heifer International, tells RadarOnline.com Middleton 
enter the property by driving through the ranch's main gate, which was open at the time. He said, I'm sorry to confirm that there was an incident at our ranch on Saturday morning. It was back on May 7th. As far as we know, as far as we can tell, there's no connection to Heifer. We're not aware of a connection. Whenever we have somebody on the property that's not supposed to be on the property, we always look into why they are here. With this incident, of course, it is something we're looking into. Coxon downplayed Heifer's connection to Clinton, but later admitted the nonprofit, which helps developing nations improve their farm and food production to reduce hunger, leases part of its Little Rock headquarters with the presidential center. He said, we're not running any projects with the Clinton Foundation right now. Bill Clinton is not connected to our board. Huh. So again, they go back to financial investigator Charles Ortel. Charles Ortel compared the Middleton case to the mysterious death of John Glasgow, CFO of CDI Contractors Incorporated, the lead firm that constructed the Clinton Presidential Library from 2002 to 2004. Glasgow again vanished without a trace 2008 after reporting financial irregularities during the construction costs and his skeletal remains found at Pettigeen State Park 2015, cause of death undetermined. Charles Ortel says the number of people involved and aware of highly suspicious financial transactions involving the Clinton family and later found dead under suspicious circumstances defies an easy explanation. Glasgow and Middleton at relatively young ages found themselves in positions of great responsibility and likely were aware of financial transactions that to this date have not received the required scrutiny of the IRS, the Department of Justice, or the FBI. All right. Now, we have updates for you. Oh, my goodness, do we have updates for you. Let me, uh, this came out over the weekend. Mystery deepens lawsuit muzzles investigators in bizarre death of Clinton advisor linked to creepy Jeffrey Epstein. Okay. That's one. That's one. But um, suicide twist investigation into death of Clinton advisor linked to Epstein reopened. Hello. All right, so we get to the first one first. Which one dropped first? Okay, one dropped at 5 a.m. Saturday morning, January 4th. The other one dropped at 5 a.m. Sunday morning, June 5th. So, the family of Bill Clinton's former presidential advisor linked to Perv Jeffrey Epstein has filed a lawsuit to muzzle local investigators from releasing details about his suspicious suicide after a series of explosive RadarOnline.com stories raised questions about the cause of death. Little Rock businessman Mark Middleton, who introduced the late perv to the former president, was found May 7th hanging from a tree with a shotgun blast through his chest in a cheap Dollar Tree-type 
extension cord wrapped around his neck in what investigators have determined to be a suicide. But attempts by RadarOnline.com to obtain the police and autopsy reports detailing the bizarre death on a Perryville farm linked to the former commander-in-chief are being covered up by a lawsuit handcuffing Perry County Sheriff Scott Montgomery and County Coroner Bill Green. The lawsuit was filed in Perry County Circuit Court by Middleton's wife, Rhea, and brother, Larry, on May 23rd by attorney Paul Parnell of the Rose Law Firm. The same law firm where Hillary Clinton worked before becoming First Lady. It's also the same firm ensnarled in the notorious Whitewater scandal that dogged the Clintons in the 1990s and gained more notoriety when one of its former partners, Vince Foster, then Bill Clinton's deputy White House counsel, supposedly committed suicide with a 38 Colt revolver in a Washington, D.C. park. Well, it wasn't a Washington, D.C. park. It was Fort Marcy Park in Northern Virginia. But anyway, and there's serious questions about whether he committed suicide. The lawsuit asks for a temporary restraining order and preliminary injunction against the disclosure of the photographs, videos, sketches, and other media content contained in the sheriff's investigatory files. Uh, The lawsuit, which also claims the family's privacy is being violated, says... Since Mr. Middleton's death, Mr. Middleton's family, including the Middleton, Middletons, has been harassed by outlandish, hurtful, unsupported, and offensive online articles regarding Mr. Middleton, his death, and his family. The same individuals who created the online articles will attempt to obtain details of the file. Radar Online's investigation was sparked by one of Middleton's terrified business associates who asked to remain anonymous for fear of dying who came forward last month to demand an independent investigation, claiming the 59-year-old father of two was extremely close to Clinton and incapable of committing an elaborate suicide. The businessman supposedly created makeshift gallows by lugging a table and trespassing onto a farm owned by Heifer International, whose headquarters is on the same parcel of land partially owned by Clinton Presidential Center in Little Rock. The source tells RadarOnline.com, everyone that I know here that has worked with Mark knows it is physically impossible for Mark to have killed himself. Noting that, Clint, that, Mil, noting that Middleton was an integral part of helping construct the Clinton Library. The source added he could not physically hold a shotgun and have done that to himself. He knows nothing about guns. He hated guns. He couldn't have tied a noose to save his life. The man couldn't change a light bulb by himself. He was the least physically skilled person I have ever met in my life. He was very smart, great with paperwork, legalities, and all of that, but he couldn't physically take care of himself. Milton joins a growing pile of corpses associated with Epstein, and it goes on and on and on and on. So, so, that's the article that dropped 5 a.m. Saturday morning. But what about the article that dropped 
5 a.m. Sunday morning. It's entitled Suicide Twist, Investigation into Death of Clinton Advisor Linked to Epstein Reopened. The bizarre suicide death of Bill Clinton's former advisor linked to billionaire perv Jeffrey Epstein is now an open investigation. Radar Online can exclusively report the stunning turn of events comes after a series of explosive RadarOnline.com stories questioning the suicide death of Clinton money man Mark Middleton, who was found May 7th hanging from a tree with a shotgun blast through his chest and an extension cord around his neck. RadarOnline.com learned about the surprise twist after it filed a Freedom of Information request with Perry County Sheriff's Department demanding copies of the police report and crime scene photos of the grisly death in an 1,100-acre farm linked to the former president just outside Perryville, Arkansas. In an email reply, Sheriff Scott Montgomery tells Radar he cannot release a police report because the once open and shut case is an active investigation. Without elaborating, Perry County Sheriff Montgomery said in an email June 2nd, at this time it is an open investigation and we're not releasing any information. RadarOnline.com has also learned the Perry County coroner is also refusing to release any details about Middleton's death because of the alleged open investigation. An employee of the coroner's office tells RadarOnline.com, right now it's considered an open case and nothing is being released on it at this time. When pressed about the term open case, the employee said, that means it's under investigation. It's a legal matter, which I guess might be supposed as a criminal matter also. I don't know. Sheriff Montgomery refused to answer a follow-up question, and County Coroner Bill Green was unavailable for comment. RadarOnline.com was unable to determine if the cover-up is based on the lawsuit filed by Middleton's family against the sheriff and coroner asking a judge to prohibit the investigators from releasing the reports and crime scene, photo, uh, crime scene photos of the suicide. Lawsuit was filed May 23rd, and so it goes on to that. We've already shared that with you. But, you know, what I'm wondering is, I'm just curious. I wonder if any Arkansas media has said anything about these new developments in the death, the suspicious death, of um, this very well-known very well-known figure from Little Rock, Arkansas. Well, uh, I'm, so I'm looking at krk.com. That's the NBC affiliate which is co-owned with Fox 16, the Fox affiliate. And uh, they don't even have anything about Mark Middleton's death in the first place that I can find. Nothing. So forget the idea that they would have an update about the... um, The investigation is still being an open one. 
they don't even have anything about his death in the first place. Okay? KTV, ABC affiliate, Little Rock, Arkansas. Nothing. Nothing even about Mark Middleton's death in the first place. This is fascinating, isn't it? All right, let's check THV 11. THV 11 is a CBS affiliate in Little Rock, Arkansas. Let's see if they have anything about Mark Middleton's death on their website. Not, 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 not just, not just the update that it's it's an active investigation, but anything about his death in the first place. More results. We got a lot of stuff about Kate Middleton, royal family. But um, isn't that odd? Nothing whatsoever about the death of Mark Middleton. What about the Arkansas Democrat Gazette? The Arkansas Democrat Gazette. The largest newspaper in Arkansas. What would they have about the death of Mark Middleton? Well, let's see. Anything at all? I don't see anything in the um, in the search results marked relevance. You know. So what about um, date? So this whole thing is being blacked out in Arkansas media. Not only did Mark Middleton not die, but, um, I mean, not only, uh, pardon me, not only is the uh, investigation open, but he didn't die in the first place. And again, 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 this guy's very well known, Middleton Heating and Air, Little Rock. Very well-known figure here. No mention. You know, just for grins, there, there, there is a uh, little tabloid. There's a tabloid in Little Rock called the Arkansas Times. I'm just wondering. Would they have anything about the death of Mark Middleton? Oh, well, let me see. Let me type it into the search bar here. Let's see. Okay, they don't let you search. Oh, they do let you search. Okay. Um, they got some Kate Middleton stuff. But I don't see, 
I don't see any Mark Middleton stuff. Isn't this fascinating? Why is there a total media blackout on the supposed suicide death, but death nonetheless of a very well-known figure in Little Rock, Arkansas? Well, I guess... uh, I mean, why do you think, you know? Why do you think? So, I got some more comments before we uh, take off here. More comments on people listening to the live stream on the Podbean app. One of them says, And completely honestly, Doc, you were the main source of my education, all things politics, and even and how I, as a Christian, can fight for truth and justice in the American way. I know the truth about so much going on in the country, and you were the catalyst for all of it. Thank you so much. I hope you run again. Well, thank you, Terry. I appreciate that. God bless you. I appreciate your kind words. I don't have any idea if I'm ever going to run for office again. I have no idea. Um... In the meantime, I'd like to get back on the radio. I got a text the other day. And again, just just for clarification, I was not fired by the program director or the general manager of Cumulus Media, Little Rock. They went to bat for me. I was fired by corporate. And I don't think corporate at Cumulus, they're so totally liberal, they're they're never going to admit the mistake they made about the vaccine. So I... You know, unless unless the company's radio stations are sold to somebody else, I can't imagine ever being allowed to go back on the radio on KRN. Um, anyway, um, another uh, comment here about uh, Mark Middleton. It says, uh, and Middleton was involved in one of the groups that was in competition for the casino that the majority of the people in the area did not want to be built near Russellville. Huh, I didn't know that. Along with his connections to Clintons and McClarty, it is also fairly well known that one of the investors in the McClarty Auto Group is, wait for it, George Soros. Yeah, I mean, I remember, uh, you know, I thought that that was a crazy conspiracy theory until I just did a simple Internet search, and you can find articles, news articles, maybe not about the death of... Mark Middleton and Little Rock Media, but you can certainly find news articles that George Soros invested money into the uh, McClarty Auto Group for, you know, for what it's worth, for what it's worth. Man, this is the longest um, Doc Washburn show I have done in months, in months, but there was just too much I had to get out today. Appreciate y'all. You've been listening to episode 167 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. The views and opinions expressed on the Doc Washburn Show do not necessarily reflect those of our advertisers, but they love us and we love them. Today's program has been produced by Tim Terrible, directed by Mick Messy. This has been a terribly messy production. Portions of today's show will be taken overseas and dropped. If you'd like a transcript of today's episode of the all-new Doc Washburn Show, 
Simply peel the roof off a Rolls-Royce panel truck and send it to Mansur's Computer Solutions, 7th floor of the Ephemeral B. Smoot Building, Whitehall, Arkansas, in care of Sheriff Mansur Sempierre X. Well, that's the way it is. Monday, June 6th, 2022.